Welcome everyone to Chris's Mic Drop. This is edition number 11 as we are in week 11 of the NFL season. Game number 10 for the Broncos. They're coming off a bye and this week is all about Gary Kubiak and the Minnesota Vikings. Kubiak, as you know, just kind of set the stage of what happened as far as his separation from the Broncos. Rather shocking. Vic Fangio is the head coach. He's just been named the head coach, I believe, on January 9th. Gary Kubiak was going to be his offensive coordinator. John Elway had looked for Kubiak to be uh, overseeing the offense and bring in a young, innovative, uh, big idea, young guy, someone like Zach Taylor to be the offensive uh, coordinator. But then when Zach Taylor got the head job with the Cincinnati Bengals, Kubiak said he was healthy enough to be the offensive coordinator. All was good, except for Kubiak also wanted Rick Dennison to be his O-line coach, Brian Perriani to be his tight ends coach, and Clint Kubiak to be his quarterback's coach. No problem with Clint Kubiak. Uh, he's a very good uh, young coach uh, on the rise, doing a great job with Cousins in Minnesota right now. There was a little pause with Dennison and Perriani. Uh, Dennison would have been okay, but Elway wanted Mike Munchak to be the offensive line coach. Kubiak balked at that. There was some issue with Brian Periani. There was a, a numerous people uh, in the building that had a problem with Periani. And I know Brian Periani. I, he's always been good to me. Uh, he's been a nice guy. I hate to single him out for this, but that was really the deal breaker with Gary Kubiak. If Periani could not be the coach, then uh, Kubiak was going to move on. And within five days, he had an interview with the Minnesota Vikings. And by the way, in his interview with Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman and uh, Kevin Stefanski, who's still the offensive coordinator in title anyway uh, for the Vikings, Kubiak had with him Dennison, Brian Periani, and Clint Kubiak as if there was no mistake that uh, it was a package deal. So um, Kubiak is with the Vikings. And the Vikings have improved on offense tremendously. Uh, they were number 20 in offense last year. They're number eight this year. Kirk Cousins, uh, it made sense because he was a Shanahan disciple. Mike Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan were in Washington when they drafted Kirk Cousins, when they promoted Kirk Cousins ahead of first-round draft pick RG3. And Cousins uh, started flourishing in Washington. Gary Kubiak, as you all know, is one degree removed from the Shanahans. Uh, in fact, uh, in Houston, Kyle Shanahan was offensive coordinator under the head coach, Gary Kubiak. So it's the same type of offense, same type of system. Kubiak could get the most out of Cousins, uh, <coughs> who had a uh, disappointing first year with the Minnesota Vikings. He replaced uh, Case Keenum. Uh, an upgrade that was supposed to be the missing link. The Vikings instead won 8-7-1 and, and missed the playoffs in Cousins' first year. Looks like they're going to make it this year. They're 7-3. and three. They're taking on a, uh, a Broncos team uh, that is a 10.5-point underdog, which is very surprising to me. Here's why I think the Broncos have a chance of pulling off an upset. They're coming off a bye, so their bodies are rested. Uh, they should be as fresh as they're going to be this whole season uh, going forward. The Vikings are coming off two tough road games at Kansas City, uh, where they lost a tough one to Matt Moore in the Chiefs, the backup quarterback. And then they uh, played Sunday night at Dallas, had a heck of a game against the Cowboys, won that one uh, thanks to their offense. But still, those are two tough games on the road. 
and now the Vikings have a bye next week. I can see the Vikings exhaling, especially when you look at that point spread. Uh, the Broncos, again, coming off the bye, they're playing their best football, I believe. They, they laid a clunker against the Chiefs on Thursday night. Since then, they played well, should have beat the Colts. And uh, they played well and did beat the Browns going into the Browns, uh, going into the bye. I guess that point spread is a reflection that uh, the people in Vegas don't think uh, Brandon Allen uh, is going to do the job. Uh, but we'll get uh, into that more as uh, on the other side after we talk to Connor McGovern. Connor McGovern, one of the best guests we've had all season. He's a center. He's an offensive lineman. But offensive linemen, I, in my experience in covering the NFL, are some of the smartest guys on the team. And uh, Connor McGovern, very smart, very eloquent, a good speaker. I think you'll enjoy. He's got some refreshing, candid answers. I think you'll enjoy our interview with Connor McGovern. So uh, the Broncos at the bye, three and six, but they are three and two in their last five. Uh, Notes, by the way, are three and two. So uh, after that 0-4 start, uh, things have been going better for the Broncos. They've had the three tough losses that everybody talks about, last-second field goals to lose. But um, we talked to Connor McGovern about that. We talked about Connor's upbringing, which is very interesting. He's from Fargo, North Dakota, eh? And uh, he's going uh, near home uh, by the Broncos playing against the Minnesota Vikings. So listen to this interview with Connor McGovern, and then we'll talk more about the Broncos game against the Vikings on the other side. Thanks for tuning in to Clissa's uh, Mic Drop. Connor, welcome to the cave. Happy to be here. Yeah, how you doing? Good, how are you doing? Good. The, uh, let's talk about Connor McGovern, where you came from. Fargo, North Dakota. I know you've heard yep. all the uh, a, oh know, yeah, all that yeah. kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, when I got to college, I uh, definitely heard all of it and uh, yeah. kind of lost my accent a little bit uh, being out of Yeah, you don't so. sound anything like they did. Uh, they were a little, they exaggerated it. A little somewhere. bit, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you get it. There's. <coughs> some I love that movie, that are, by the way. Yeah, it's a good of the. You know, there's some folks still up there that sound a little bit like the movie, yeah. but it's uh, it's dying out a little bit. Yeah. So I read in uh, Wikipedia. Yeah, I'm. I bet you don't like this. You had no control over, it, but they say you come from. An affluent family. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's uh, it's a little different because it's pretty blue collar. You know, it's not yeah. like it was oil money or investments. It's farming, so it, it's a it's a hard working family. And um, you know, my grandpa and parents, aunts and uncles have done pretty well for themselves farming. Yeah, and your dad is is kind of like corporate agriculture, right? Uh, he's yeah, in of a <clears throat> you know, he's the one that's doing all the deals and mm -hmm. and getting all the contracts done and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, when harvest hits. Um, you know, what we do is potatoes and they're, they're, they're finicky with harvest. So there's a really small window. The temperature has to be right. The moisture has mm -hmm. to be right. Um, so planning, um, not as much in the tractors as, as, as he is during harvest, but yeah, he still, he still gets his hands dirty. And you're a blue collar guy yourself, as far as how you train, you're a big weightlifter. uh, boxing, you know, there are yep. easier ways to work out. Yep. Did you grow up working, working hard, getting your hands dirty? Oh yeah, you know, like I said, where it's blue collar. So you know, I didn't know um, that I came from an influent family until I got to the NFL, and they told There's... me I came from an affluent family. So <laughs> well, what did you do? What were some of the chores you had to oh, do? Oh, I mean, <clears throat> I was always I grew up uh, racing dirt bikes and stuff. So like Friday, Saturday mornings, I'd get up, 
and my dad would be out checking the fields and stuff. So I'd go get in the skid steers and go fix the tracks and do all that kind of stuff. And then when hunting season was rolling around, I was in the tractors helping getting the plots ready and stuff. Um, you know, it's, you can't really have a, a you know, 12, 13, 14, 50 year old out on the, on a corporate farm running those tractors. Um, but I helped around the house with that kind of stuff. And then uh, how did, how did it all lead to football for you? <clears throat> you know, I come from a family where football is big. Um, my grandpa played football and wrestled in college. Um, and then my cousin played football. Quarterback. Uh, yeah, he's a quarterback. So he had a little, little bit of time in the NFL down with the Saints for a little bit and, and uh, had a really good career over in Europe. So um, football definitely runs in the family. And, and, you know, just taking that hard work um, from what I learned from my family to the football field, uh, you know, when stuff isn't going right, all we know how to do is work harder. So that's kind of where I got that from. And then sure enough, you wind up in the trenches Yep. Oh, in, yeah. in football. <clears throat> uh, tell us uh, how you, uh, the, the positions. I know you your senior year, you're a left tackle at Missouri. And before I was. That, and before that? Mainly guard. I started okay. a couple couple games. I think the first three games my junior year were at right tackle, and they moved me back to guard. Um, and then before that was all guard. So, what, what is it about the offensive line that you like? You know, I, <clears throat> in high school, I actually didn't like the offense line. I liked D-line. And coming from North Dakota, you know, your, your best 11 kind of play both ways. So uh, I got the opportunity to play both sides of the ball, and, and uh, it was a little bit more fun tackling people and chasing the quarterback um, in high school. But then, you know, I realized I'm not, I wasn't going to be able to do that in college. So I um, transitioned to offense line and really embraced the grind. And <clears throat> my, high, or my college coaches did a really good job with my techniques. I didn't have a whole lot of technique. And North Dakota is kind of bigger than everybody else, so I could just yeah. kind of toss them around and, and stuff. But uh, so I, I really embraced the whole technique side because, you know, there's, there's not a lot we do on the offense line that you do as an everyday, in your everyday life, right? Like a wide receiver, like other like non-professional football players, they run, they do that kind of stuff, you know. Um, same with a lot of the other positions, but you know, a lot of our stuff's backing up or, you know, most people aren't going out pushing their cars like, you know, just kind of, yeah. you know, relate to yeah. what an everyday person does. So I really embraced the, the skill aspect of it and, and really try to improve my techniques. I really didn't have any when I got to college. Yeah, brute strength. Yep. You, you can't get by on that alone. No, you need to have, interior. yeah, you, you, everyone thinks like, uh, you see a lot of guys at the comment, they'll put up, you know, 50 reps on the bench or something, and you never hear their name called on a Sunday. So uh, it's a lot more than you see a lot of guys that put up 12 reps at offense line, and then they're the ones that are going to the Pro Bowls and stuff. You know, it's a highly skilled position, even though people don't realize it's a different skill than what everyone, like everyone just assumes if you run fast, you're highly skilled. Well, the offense line is completely different, and it's a different technique, and um, I've really tried to embrace that and, and uh, get as good as I could at that. Your last year, we talked about you playing left tackle, and your quarterback was a freshman, a true freshman, yep. Drew Locke. <clears throat> yep. And I remember asking you about him last year. This is way before the draft, and because Elway and Russell went out to look at him, yep. and you gave a glowing review on Drew Locke. What, what do you remember about him as a freshman and why you think uh, – he would be in the position today on the verge of becoming a starting NFL quarterback. Yeah, you know, he came in in a tough situation. We had to come off of uh, two years going to the SEC championship game. So um, coming off, uh, you know, arguably two of the best years in Mizzou history. You had 
Um, 07, 08 was when they went to the Big 12 and all that kind of stuff. And um, so it's, it's up there with those two years. Chase Daniels. Yeah, years. the Chase yeah. Daniels years. So yeah. we were arguably competing with them for the best Mizzou teams in history. And um, for him to come in and, <clears throat> you know, we had some stuff going on off the field and it was a tough situation. And Quarterback got suspended. Quarterback got suspended. Then we had the little lockout thing towards the end of the year. And there's just a lot of stuff going on at Mizzou at the time. And so for him to come in and do what he did then and then, you know, not let him let that break him. You know, he, he took it and he didn't let <clears throat> the, that down year, you know, affect his career. He came back and, and really helped turn that program back to what it was and, and uh, uh, played really well. So, you know, just, just that aspect of him being able to, you know, not let the down times get him down and really um, be able to fight through those and, and uh, become excellent after uh, some tough years. Start, talk about uh, your transformation. You've been all over that offensive line yep, there yep. from your uh, really the last two years in college to the first two or three years uh, in the NFL. You're now at center. Yep. How difficult was that adjustment for you? Um, <clears throat> luckily, since I've been in the NFL, I've always kind of been the second or third string center. So, you know, obviously practice and, and games are a little bit different. But um, and I had had a, a great mentor at Paradis to help me um, last year, and and just you know being a backup in case I had to go in, you know during the week we'd uh, we'd talk. You know you always got to prepare. You don't want to think someone's going to get hurt, but people do. So uh, Paris and I'd watch extra film, and he would t we'd talk about centers around the league, who's doing what well, who's doing what not so good, what techniques work at center, and then you know for as as we would be discussing center, same play I'd be watching the guards as well. So uh, I. <clears throat> Luckily, made the transition a little less um, difficult having having Paradis, you know, kind of be that mentor for me. And um, but you know, I've really enjoyed it, and um, it definitely hasn't been been totally smooth sailing. But I've I've really enjoyed it, and and I think I have the opportunity to really excel. Center is more of the cerebral position along yep. the offensive line. You have to call out. You got to see the protections yep. or, or the pass rush. Yep. What what is uh, talk? Talk us through what that's like as you go up to the ball. Yeah, you know, you go up to the ball, you have some sort of idea what defense they're going to be in. Obviously, when you get in third and long, so everyone's, that's when you get all the odd ball looks, and that's when uh, your job gets a little bit harder. So, you know, you just got to <clears throat> – a lot of it's um, – well, the way I do it is, is picturing it in your head. You know, a lot of it is, you know, and where you got your help, where you don't have help, where you got a running back or a tight end that can assist the blocking. So it's – it's a numbers game, um, and then running is a lot of uh, uh, geometry, just figuring out angles. So um, it ends up being a little bit more math than you'd expect um, playing center. Mm -hmm. Just uh, the way I guess I was decent at math, so I kind of put it in numbers and yeah. shapes and, and do it that way. Um, and then, you know, you got rules for every prote for protection. So you might never have seen the look in practice because they're thrown out, but as long as you follow the rules, and apply, I apply that the numbered system to it. it. It it seems to be able to pick up blitzes a little bit better. But you know they're going to throw something weird that you've never seen before. You know I'm glad you brought up math because you know in baseball I used to have a theory. I went up to Derek Jeter once, and the way he kind of maneuvered, the way he tagged, the way he moved on relays, the way he slid, uh, I said, I bet you you're good at math. <laughs> And because there's something instinctive about an athlete, yep. you know, you have to think on the fly. And I, I think there's mentally, there's something that translates between figuring out math, angles, as you say, and actually performing on the field. And sure enough, Derek Jeter said he was an A student 
Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, all it's, the way it's in that math. critical thinking, and yeah, and you know, math, especially when you get into the higher higher maths, a lot of just critical thinking. Figure out yeah. when you start when you start doing maths without math without numbers, it gets a little little bit different. So yeah, yeah you know, it's it's uh, I really enjoy the cerebral pr part about it, and mm. I enjoyed that part as a guard being able to help the center. Neil Paris was extremely cerebral, so he didn't need a lot of help, but it was fun to bounce ideas off of each other and. And be like, well, he'd be like, you know, do you think it'd be easier to do this or that or however? So it's uh, yeah. it's a it's a fun position. So for all you youngsters out there, <laughs> pay attention in math class. And yes, you will have to use it uh, yeah. later in life. <laughs> it does come up later. The Broncos, uh, in you know, going into the bye, three and six. You're playing better as you're going into the bye. Talk about your offense in the first half. Everyone's kind of waiting for you guys to break that 24 point yeah. uh, threshold. Yeah, that you know, we've been so close every game. You know, we're one play away from being six and three. So, mm -hmm. um, and then everyone in you know in, in Denver and Colorado have a different feeling about this team and this season. And, and we know that. So we're we're nobody's discouraged. Everyone knows we're right on that cusp, and we're 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 so close to you know greatness and, and really putting up a lot of points. Um, and I think you know with the bye, um, us going back and reevaluating how this first half's gone. Um, you know, we, we're definitely setting ourselves up to have a breakout game, and, and I think, uh, um, you know, I go into every game thinking it's going to be that game, and, and I, I have a good feeling it's coming up soon. Ten and a half point underdogs yeah, in Minnesota. Did you see that? Saw that came across yeah. the ticker uh, yeah. yesterday, and I happened. I don't know why I looked up at the TV when I didn't yeah. happen to saw it. I was like, well, I wouldn't wouldn't take that bet. That's not. A yeah, I mean, you're only seven point underdogs at Green Bay. Green Bay's right. better. You're a better team now than you were then. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe it's because of the new quarterback situation, but Brandon. Uh, acquitted himself uh, quite well, and then some in his yeah, debut. Yeah, you know, he can really he can really throw the ball, and and uh, you know he's a little bit younger, so he's a little bit more mobile, and and you know there's that, that's the big the you know, the trade offs. You know, you get you trade off the experience for a little bit more mobility, and and uh, hopefully uh, you know it worked out well in Cleveland. Let's see if it keeps working out well. You know, it seems like you're just getting started. You're just coming into your own, and already you're an unrestricted free agent after this year. Yeah. Um, your thoughts on that because you're in line as a starting center to uh, to come up with a pretty good contract. It must be exciting, first of all. Yeah, you know it is exciting to um, to really be uh, to really get compensated for all the hard work and and all the uh, grinding for the past you know many like since middle school. You know, because if you're not a first round draft pick, the compensates it's heavily uh, weighted to first rounders to every other round. Yep. And, um, so that second contract, even first rounders, that second round contract's what every guy um, in the in the NFL is hoping for, and and it's exciting. And um, not that I need any more motivation to go out and play well, but uh, it's definitely there. And and I'm excited for the off season. I'd love to stay here, but you know, however, it's free agency falls. You never know. So uh, I'm excited. And why would you like um, to stay here? Oh, I mean the the Broncos fans are amazing. The the <clears throat> the staff here is amazing. I think we have. Um, the best young talent around the league. You know, we're a young team, and and uh, uh, Munchak says it all the time. Like you look at the Steelers' offensive line, and they've been together for so long. You can just you can see it when when Munch was showing us their tape. Um, you could just like you're watching the protections, and Munchak went over the rules, and you're like, yeah, that makes sense and through. But how are we going to make it work? And then you watch Pittsburgh do it, and they just know how each other handles every single block. And 
you know, I've had, uh, this is my fourth offense coordinator. It'd be nice to stay uh, in the same offense and not have a fifth in my fifth year. So um, there's a million, million reasons I'd like to stay here, but um, with how free agency works, you never know um, what uh, the front office has in, in store and, and uh, where I'll be next year. But wherever I am, I'll be excited and, and ready to keep my career going. So I assume some friends and family will be at the game Sunday yeah, from yeah, Fargo. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, really uh, going back home for me. You know, yeah. it's the the closest. Uh, luckily, Denver's kind of the the three the number three team up in North Dakota. You got okay. uh, so everyone mainly Vikings. And then you got the Packers. And yep. You got the Broncos. So right. um, it's a decently easy flight for friends and family, but uh, nothing beats a three-hour drive. Right. So, Right. Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to kind of in sense go back home. Good. Yeah. Thanks, Connor. Appreciate it. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Connor McGovern, the Broncos center. Done a nice job. I know there was a lot of concern about Connor with his shotgun snaps to Joe Flacco during training camp, but that really hasn't been an issue. Maybe one or two low snaps, maybe one high snap uh, during the regular season through nine games. But every center uh, has one or two of those uh, during the regular season. McGovern doing very well, and I tell you what, he's about to uh, strike it big. Uh, it's kind of funny that uh, what he said that uh, everyone says he came from an affluent family, and he said he didn't know that uh, he came from an affluent family until he got to the NFL. Uh, his dad has uh, done a huck of a jab in the uh, agriculture industry, but uh, dad got his hands dirty uh, throughout his life, and Connor McGovern did too. Uh, big weightlifter, uh, boxer, as far as working out, uh, he's got a good, strong uh, work ethic, and it's about to pay off for Connor McGovern, a fifth round draft pick of the Broncos in 2016. Basically redshirted, he was active his whole rookie year, uh, then started playing a little bit his second year and uh, uh, has been a regular in the last two years since. So uh, Connor McGovern uh, has been uh, at one, of the, one of the bright spots for the Broncos in this 2019 season as they go to play the Minnesota Vikings. Again, that point spread is uh, curious to me. Um, I think the Broncos are better than the Green Bay Packers, and then the Broncos are only a seven-point underdog at Green Bay, uh, I, I'm sorry, I, I think the Broncos are a better team than they were when they played the Green Bay Packers. They're better now than they were at Green Bay. Okay, the Packers, I think, are better than Minnesota. And in that game, Broncos at Green Bay, the Broncos were a seven-point dog. And they were in it, um, I, I can't remember, they, they might have lost by eight, maybe they didn't cover, I can't remember how that, uh, how that game, uh, but it was a one-score game, I do remember that. Um, at, at least at one point. Maybe the Packers did cover. I'll have to look that up. Um, but um, I'm surprised that the Vikings are 10.5-point uh, uh, favorites here. And let's looking ahead to this game. It's about the Gary Kubiak offense. You know, Gary Kubiak uh, struggled when he was here offensively uh, as, a, as a head coach. Um, the Broncos did. So, um, you know, remember Peyton Manning. Uh, had nine touchdown passes against 17 interceptions. Offense wasn't why, uh, the reason why they won the Super Bowl. By the way, the Broncos lost 27-16 to the Packers, so the Packers won by 11. 
they did cover that, but uh, still a little surprised by the big spread that the Vikings have against the Broncos for this game. Uh, so the offense struggled here, and, and you know that's that was another reason. Uh, Elway, I think, uh, wanted to advance this team, uh, you, you know, a little more. Kyle Shanahan runs the West Coast offense, the, the, that quote-unquote Shanahan system, but it's been upgraded and modified tremendously over the years. And uh, they're doing a lot of misdirections, a lot of motion, and uh, Elway wanted a little bit more of that going forward with the Broncos. Uh, Scangarillo uh, did a nice job with Brandon Allen against the Cleveland Browns. And uh, after um, looked like he was in a play-calling slump with Joe Flacco there, the last couple of games. Um, some news, uh, Jawan James, right tackle, even though coming off a bye week, still not ready to play. Jeff Hireman with a knee, uh, probably uh, not ready to play. Bryce Callahan, by the way, uh, most likely is going on uh, IR and uh, surgery uh, looks like it's in his future to get it fixed. That foot just never came around. Um, uh, Bryce is going to be talking to the press here in another a uh, couple of days, maybe early next week, when it's finally decided, not determined yet. But with Tim Patrick coming off the IR this week, I do think you'll see. Um, I, do, I do think you'll see Bryce Callahan going on IR. Uh, keys for the Broncos in this game: uh, they got to put it up. The Vikings, <clears throat> their weakness uh, that at least that what we saw in that Dallas Cowboy game, and really off and on the last couple of years, is in their secondary. Uh, they can be had. Uh, can Brandon Allen expose that uh, like he did against Cleveland? I mean, they hit two big plays in the pass game against the Browns, Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant. They'll need a repeat of that. Uh, Tim Patrick will help out the receiving core and Sutton in this game. <clears throat> Philip Lindsay also broke off a couple nice runs against the Browns, and they can do that. Damian Williams had a 91-yard touchdown against the Vikings a couple weeks ago when the Chiefs uh, beat the uh, Minnesota Vikings with Matt Moore. So that'll be key for the Broncos in that game. And then you got to contain Dalvin Cook. He's the NFL's leading uh, rusher. Uh, he does a lot of damage out of the backfield in the, in the pass-catching game. He has over 1,400 yards rushing and receiving, more than 400 yards receiving. Uh, slowed down a little bit in the run game the last couple games against Dallas and against the Chiefs. He's averaged uh, not quite 3.6 yards a carry. So as the Vikings go into week 11, playing 11 straight games, there are signs that Delvin Cook is slowing down a little bit. Maybe that will be to the Broncos' advantage. But the biggest thing is the Broncos have to show up angry. Uh, you know, that's a big point spread. Uh, the odds makers not showing uh, much respect for a team that's won three of its last five, that has had three difficult losses in the final seconds on field goals, uh, and for Br uh, Brandon Allen, uh, the quarterback who played well in his NFL debut. So uh, Allen is, again, the key. I think the uh, Fangio defense will play well against the Kubiak offense. I would be surprised if Fangio doesn't have a nice scheme against that zone blocking uh, running system that Kubiak and Dennison and Periani have there in Minnesota. Kicking game might be big. Uh, there in Minnesota, the Vikings have uh, Britton Colquitt, a uh, familiar face and a nice friend of the Denver Broncos in years gone by. In fact, some people thought he could have been the uh, Super Bowl 50 MVP 
uh, had uh, Vaughn Miller not came up with that second strip sack and, and touchdown for the Broncos. Uh, Colquitt had a heck of a game in the Super Bowl. So uh, kicking will be important. McManus has to make all his field goals because it could be a very low-scoring game there at U.S. Bank in Minneapolis. It's a stadium that the Broncos have not played in yet. Uh, I have not seen, so looking forward to seeing that. Thanks again to our special guest, Connor McGovern, the center for the Denver Broncos. Hope you enjoyed that interview, and uh, hope you learned about uh, how the Broncos, the keys to the Broncos, pulling off a big upset against the Vikings this weekend. See if they can do it. Thanks again for listening to Cliss's Mic Drop. We'll do this again next week as the Broncos prepare to play against the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. Thanks again, everybody.